Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Collective Cafe To Go. This is the podcast version of the Collective Cafe. Now, the Collective Cafe happens every single weekday, Monday through Friday, from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in Alpha Collective's Discord server, discord.gg forward slash alpha collective. It is free. It always will be free. There are no strings. There is no bait and switch. If you like to listen live and even participate, come onto stage, comment in our back chat, you can do that. Whether you're on the treadmill, getting the kids ready for school, getting yourself ready for work, commuting into the big bad city, or maybe just even commuting from your bedroom into your home office. On Monday, we manifest. On Tuesday, we talk thought leadership. On Wednesday, we have guests take the stage, almost like an open mic. On Thursday, we do live book reads and discussions. And then on Friday, it's No Agenda Friday, where there is no agenda. Start your day off on the right foot, on the front foot, with virtual coffee, with the Collective Cafe, where we mastermind, we manifest, we collaborate, we help one another at the business of Web3 or anything else that intersects, whether it's culture, collaboration, creativity, innovation, disruption. So give us a subscribe if you're listening on the podcast or come and attend one day. Remember, it is a safe, welcoming space and you will never, ever be put on the spot. This is the Collective Cafe to go. Well, good morning. Good morning to you. It is Monday, April 17th. Is it is it tax day today? I think it might be. Hmm, I don't think I've actually... Uh, I don't think I've actually submitted my taxes. I always end up getting an extension. Uh, always, you know, talk about like new leafs, right? New year's resolutions. I always say that on January 1st, I'm going to just keep all my receipts. I'm going to get that concertina file. I'm going to just be on top of everything and just somehow uh, it never manifests. Well, I manifest it, but it doesn't, well, I, I, I intend it, but it doesn't manifest. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so I end up just getting an extension, which I guess is what I'm doing this year too. Um, but um Hopefully, um, you uh, are doing your own taxes or your taxes are complete um, and <clears throat> everything is in order. I suppose if you're still in the crypto slash crypto world, um, it's losses, losses, losses all the way. Uh, but remember, what goes down must come up. Or hopefully. <laughs> oh, tomorrow's tax deadline, uh, Tim says. I'm still not going to make it. Um I was going to say what goes down must come up, but uh, what I've learned the hard way is what goes down can go down further and then further and then further and then further. But I, I do think, I think the worst of it is over um, in terms of just looking at these uh, these highs and lows. Um, <clears throat> I think that, um, you know, as they say, not financial advice and do your own research, do your own damn research, but just learning and looking and understanding and, you know, recognizing cycles and research, etc. Um, <clears throat> and that, that chart that Praxim shared, which still to me is like the most unbelievable, that kind of coil chart that plots Bitcoin from pretty much the beginning. Um, uh, it, it seems that we are off the lows and now we approach the next, I guess, milestone is considered to be the halving milestone and then the next one is all-time high and then a bottoming and so on and so forth. And, um, and uh, I mean, I, I'm, listen, as I said, anything can happen, but I think the days of 16,000 Bitcoin, at least in this cycle, are done. Um, and 800, I think ETH dropped to like 800 
and uh, it's sitting at twenty one hundred. And uh, Seoul was down at eight dollars and sitting at twenty four twenty five. So we'll see what happens. I really love that uh, this chart that I saw that basically said, you know, kind of uh, people put their money in crypto and then kind of crypto rugs them and then they go to the banks and they put their money in the banks and then the banks rug them and then they take their money and put it back into crypto and and it shows that cycle and I suppose, you know, that is life, right? I mean, that literally is life, the cycle of life um, from the cradle to the grave, um, from birth to death. Uh, This is This is life. Uh, this is life, um, and and I think you know, um, I think we should be aware of that. Um, that that like there are always these cycles. I mean, I've, I've I've said this before that I've said this before that you know it's funny that human psyche that when when things are great we we never even hold the possibility that they'll ever be less than great again. And 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 when things are awful, we never believe that they can ever be better again. So it's kind of like a funny. <clears throat> it's like hubris on the on the on the high end and helplessness or hopelessness on the low end. It's just funny how we never have faith when things are bad that they're going to get better again, and when things are great, it's it's not about faith anymore. Maybe it's a lack of faith, um, or. You know, so so we don't have. Well, I suppose it's a it's a lack of faith. Let me let me rethink that. It's definitely it's not that there, it, there's a lack of faith when things are bad. It's just that we just don't have the faith. We have it, but we just don't believe it. I mean, we want to believe it, but we can't. Um, and when things are great, it's just you know, there's there's there is maybe I think maybe the point I'm trying to make is. Faith ultimately is in a higher power, in something bigger than you. And the the absence of faith comes from the fact that we become very full of ourselves, very hedonistic, um, very gratuitous, very self-entitled. We believe that everything that we've achieved is because of us, because we're so unbelievably talented, so awesome, so incredible. But we discount everything else. We discount the impact that others have in our lives, the influences in our lives, the teachers, the mentors, the parents, the you know, the the role models, the virtual coffees, the higher powers, and sometimes just luck and serendipity play a role in it. And and I think maybe that's the point I'm trying to make, which is when it's all about you and you can't see anyone else in your frame, right? When it's just you in the frame, when it's when it's kind of like the Truman show, when it's when you're the only person in the frame, when you when it's a, a monologue, when it's when when it's kind of a one, you know, what do you call it? A a, a one man band, when it's a, when it's um a play with only one actor, um, that's when you should worry. That's the problem. Because of course we're all connected and we're all interconnected on every single level. And and I think it's that, you know, when we say check yourself before you wreck yourself, that's the check we need. The check we need is the, is the check of hubris, um, not the check of humility, right? Humility is what it is. But the check of hubris is, are we getting a little too full of ourselves? Are we getting a little too confident or overconfident? Now, this is, you know, clearly not to say <clears throat> that... Um, we should always be um, nervous and insecure so much so that we're just always waiting for the penny to drop. We're always waiting for the bad news. We're always waiting for, you know, for the, the aha or the, the catch because that's not a great place to live either. When things are great, you're always kind of living in fear. Um, you know, I, um, uh, no names mentioned, but there's, a person in my life who uh, struggled uh, a lot financially. And when they finally kind of made it, when they finally came into some success and money, they were miserable. <clears throat> they were miserable because they, they, they couldn't spend anything. They, they just, they were so kind of scarred and, 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 you know, battle scarred and almost like, um, you know, PTSD, 
about what it was like not to have money, that when they came into it, they were so fearful of losing it that they couldn't enjoy it and they couldn't spend it. Um, and they had to kind of get to a better place to realize that there is a balance. <clears throat> there, you know, there's always, there's always a balance when it comes to, you know, finding. It's the same with weight gain and weight loss. So, you know, balance, equilibrium, you know, perspective. And ultimately, the perspective is the cycle, right? The, the perspective is um, the fact that there's always a pendulum. I mean, um, try and come up with one example in, in the world where it's all been good or all been bad. There, there isn't one. I mean, tell me, correct me if I'm wrong. <clears throat> I've got to get rid of that uh, frog. Hold on one second. I'm going to mute you. <clears throat> Mm. I hate the morning frog in my throat. Um, hopefully it's gone. And why is it called a frog, by the way? <clears throat> why is it? I don't know what else it could be, but it's 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 still hovering a little bit. So hopefully it will go away. So yeah, so I just wanted to share some initial thoughts, right, <clears throat> about where we are. Um, it's still, hold on, let me try one more time. <clears throat> mm. You know what? I'm. Uh, it better be gone now. Be gone, Froggy. Be gone. Be gone. So, it's manifesting Monday today. Um, I'm looking at my schedule. I realize that in Mondays uh, gone by, I haven't actually done this exercise with you. Uh, first of all, very full week, um, and and below in or above in the cafe chat are. Uh, the four episodes, David Drebin today, Simon Bull tomorrow, uh, two amazing creators, um, you know, artists, sculptors, collectors. Uh, Scott Martin just wrote a new book called Groundswell. Uh, he's here on Wednesday. And then Lisa Copeland, who's in real estate and uh, doing some amazing work with women and in woman empowerment. She's here on Thursday. And um, Patrick Fabian is booked for Monday. So Howard Hamlin himself will be in the house uh, April 24th to pre-record. And I have to decide uh, what I want to do and how I want to share it, broadcast it. Um, But yeah, I'm super excited that he's coming in. Um, You know, I mean, uh, my my kids asked me the other day, is he the most famous person you've been on the show? And and I don't know, maybe he is. Um, But, um, you know, it's it's exciting. And then they asked me, what are you going to ask him? Uh, and I was like, well, I don't know what I'm going to ask him. Um, you know, what was it like to be, you know, to be in Better Call Saul? What was it like to, you know, be with Bob Odenkirk? Those aren't the questions that I'm going to ask because ultimately, and, and there's a very interesting little um, aspect to it, which I can riff on for a little bit. Uh, and Morning Bears and Tim, Chris, uh, Jensa. Um, so what I, I've learned two things about the show, doing the show. Number one is it doesn't matter who comes into the studio, right, um, who they are, how famous they are. Um, I mean, it's it's actually really the same point. Treat them the same. Give them the same respect. Give them this. Be part of the same process. And the process is: I send you a Google form, and you indicate the three things you want to talk about, the three things you want to promote, and the three fun facts about you. And so, it doesn't matter if you're Patrick Fabian, or if you're Seth Godin, or if you're Tom Peters, you know, or if you're, uh, you know, Billy Bowie, who's, you know, I mean, all famous people, by the way. I just gave you a bunch of famous people, um, you know, and that's the process. And what I learned early on, the, I guess the other part was when I lost myself, when I wasn't myself, when when I deviated off the plan, when I wasn't comfortable enough or confident in my own shoes or skin, um, it, it, that's that's when that's when it didn't feel good. It didn't feel right. So so it's the same process. That's what I, that's what you got to get to, and it is a level of comfort. Of course, it's a level of comfort. I mean, hell, if, uh, you know, former President Barack Obama was coming into the studio, um, would I treat him the same way? Uh, I mean, 
I, there certainly be a, a reverence and a respect for his position, but I would still do the fun facts and I would still take his head and badly Photoshop it. It's not even Photoshop, it's worse. It's like PowerPoint on a body. That's the point. And, and what I actually learned, so I've, I, and I've learned a bunch of things. One is the more famous the people are, the less work they put in, the less effort they put in, the less time they put in, the less they'll promote the show. So it's actually like an inverse curve when it comes to how hard they'll work and, and how much they'll lean into it, like versus, you know, be a little disinterested or a little kind of short or a little, you know, kind of, um, um, you know, you can, you can tell – uh, when someone is like almost like what do they call it permission to treat the uh, the uh, witness as hostile, Your Honor, you can see when someone is uncomfortable and when they want to be there and when they don't want to be there, and it's and it's 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 difficult as a host to give them and and provide that same commitment and energy and you know and not be affected or impacted by them when they're kind of just like bored and disinterested, um, etc. And so I, I've certainly learnt that in terms of realizing that that in a way there is an a, an inverse curve but the flip side is when you treat someone um like I, i'll never forget when brian mirror rescue came in he'd just been on cnn and he had a best-selling book and he was kind of a big shot and he is a big shot and when he saw his head you know transplanted on on brad pitt's body in fight club um he just melted and he was a different person. And, um, and that, you know, and so that's the advice. It's not just be yourself. It's, it's, it's like when you can actually not, uh, when you can actually get to the point where, where this is your process, this is your, this is the way you do it. And what you'll actually find is that it will work out really well for you, especially with the, the bigger stars or bigger shots. Um, because they don't expect it, right? Because, and it, it actually works well on both continuums, to be honest. You know, when somebody comes in and they're like in, in, genuinely not famous, they're genuinely someone that's like, I don't even know what I'm doing here. This is the first time I've ever been on a show. You know, I kind of like, I mean, sometimes it could be having like a 14-year-old or 15-year-old kid. I, I had like an 11-year-old kid on once talking about their NFT project. The flip side also works well when you give them the same treatment that you would give, you know, uh, a Patrick Fabian, uh, you know, a Carol Baskin, uh, a Baratundi Thurston, or whatever the case may be. They love it even, they love it as much. So in a way, it's the edges, it's the edges that give you that little, uh, that give you the, that proof of concept. It's all in the edges, right? So... It's funny, like so. I've got like two thoughts for the show already, and and this is what I've done. It's it's all in the edges, and then the other idea is um, when you're the only one in frame, right? This idea of recognizing that it's never the, the day that this is even the day that this is ever just the Joseph Jaffe show, right? The opposite of Joseph Jaffe is not famous. Is the day that I hang up, you know, that I kind of retire this effort. Um, and, and, and it's all in the edges. So it's all in the edges is an interesting concept, by the way, because I don't believe, I'm not talking about extremes. I'm talking about edges. I'm talking about when you, when you understand the top five and the bottom five or the top 10 and the bottom 10, you don't play to them, right? Because the answer is equilibrium and balance. And it's not 50, 50, it's the sweet spot. You find this. So imagine there's this continuum, this beautiful continuum right now, this line, right? So you've got the edges, the extremes, maybe to a degree, 10 and 10. And then you've got the 80 in the middle. And then there's the 50 point in the, in, in the, in the middle of that, right? And so the idea is <clears throat> you never want to be vanilla, right? You want actually a combination of the edges, you know, um, I've often said that I once did a, one of these personality tests, one of these, and, and what I found was that I was either extreme left brain or extreme right brain. Like there was nothing about me that was middle. I was either extreme left or extreme right. So, you know, risk-taking, provocateur, um, creative um, type, disruptor, innovator, um, 
But then I found out that there were things like, for example, as I love singing, um, and I've, I've, explained, I've said this before, the thing about singing is you would think singing is extreme right brain. It's not. It's extreme left brain. They are like, you know, there's music, there's sheet music. You either sing in key or you don't. Like you play the right notes in the right sequence in the right tempo or you don't. Um, so, so it's not just singing, it's music in general, performing, playing an instrument. Um, of course, there's a creative element to it when you riff, when you make it your own, when you have a solo, um, you know, when you write music, etc., um, when you adapt music. But for the most part, the base of it is extremely left brain, analytical, rational, you know. And, um, and, and I love that idea. I love the idea of kind of like, I, I guess the best way to say it is you've got to draw from the edges and yet you've got to or li- or live, you, you become alive through the edges, but you have to find your sweet spot. And, and the key with the sweet spot is that, as I was saying, it's not 50-50. It's not vanilla. It's not smack dab in the middle. It's 70-30. It's 65-35. It's whatever works for you. But, it's, but you still have that little bit of balance because if you were 80-20, which is probably a little high, or 90-10 or 100-0, you'd be very unrelatable. And it's important to be relatable. Being relatable is, is huge. Um, I mean, it is, um, it's everything actually, you know, and, and, and that's the thing, right? Now, okay, relatable, I'm like going on so many like interesting, like I, I funnily enough came today with like no agenda. Um, and it's just funny how like things just become free flow. So the idea of being, um, relatable is also finding a balance between impressing, between, um, you know, being able to, uh, you know, have your credentials and sell yourself on those credentials. You know, there is the idea of, you know, five-time author, a keynote speaker, 50 countries. I'm giving you my kind of, you know, like my TLDR boring adjunct professor you know, consultant, uh, serial entrepreneur, I wrote this all myself, blah, blah, blah. Does that make me relatable? It shouldn't. Well, how does it make me relatable? It makes me everything on the continuum of, it makes me anything but relatable. It makes me, you know, borderline pompous if I'm crowing and singing my praises, arrogant, um, you know, so, uh, selfish, I don't know, it, and, you know, someone might call me narcissistic, then I'm always talking about myself if I'm always talking about my credentials and how, how great I am and everything I've done. <clears throat> Does that make me more relatable to you? No, it doesn't. What makes me more relatable to you is that you see yourself in me and I see myself in you. And, uh, and, and ultimately, what comes down to it is the idea of someone just like me. I mean, we go back and we look at influence and we look at word of mouth. Who do you trust? Edelman's trust barometer. Someone just like me. That's who we trust. Someone who is relatable. So trust, relatability. Now, the key, and again, I said it's like a bit of a catch-22, is you also still have to find the balance. What does a parent often say to to a child? I'm not your friend. I'm your parent. I don't think that's right either um, because it implies that a parent can't be a friend. Well, of course, a parent can be a friend. Um, but, but it's the relatability aspect to it. And the problem is when you lose, when the roles are not clearly defined, um, when there's too much uh, ambiguity, when... And there's also the, the, the ability to be taken advantage. I'll, I'll give you a classic example, actually. Um, I, you know, in, in my past, certainly in my speaking career, um, I've had, you know, I'm, I'm the, the keynote speaker, therefore I'm the star of the show, right? I come in, there's a big hoopla, um, you know, my name is on the website, on the program, introduction, everybody claps, um, you know, there's, there's reserve for the speaker, the green room, there's all that sort of stuff. And you come on and even the person that actually hired you, that paid for you to be there, is reverent 
and kissing your ass and you know would you uh do a book signing we'd love for i'd love for you to come and meet someone and and so like you you have this beautiful shine and halo effect but here's what i've noticed it, what has happened is is at some, that same person let's say they now hire you for a consulting gig or to come in and conduct a few workshops or whatever suddenly when they realize you're now a vendor you now work for them um they're your client it's not the speaker relationship anymore there's an amazing change in the dynamic the where suddenly there's almost i don't know, even know if i can explain it it's almost like a like a bitterness or a reve- like a revenge it's almost like this idea of hey wait a second i'm the boss now i'm you know you're not as great as as you thought you were you're going to do what i say so it's almost like this idea of um uh it it's like a genie right it's like the fact that that you've 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 polished the lamp and now the genie works for you so the genie is not as feared or respected or revered anymore because now you're the boss you control the genie and the balance of power shifts and it's a weird weird shift and it's an awful shift as well where suddenly um and I don't know what the answer is I'm like literally like thinking out loud I think as the as the speaker <clears throat> you've just got to continue being that person in fact you can't kiss their ass now if they kissed your ass then that was that was their decision but if you now become that vendor if you now fill the role of the vendor you actually are selling you're selling yourself short and you're actually selling them short too because they didn't hire a vendor they didn't hire a yes man or yes woman they didn't hire someone who is going to be um you know kind of um controlled they hired the free thinker they hired the disruptor they hired that speaker um and and you know what if 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 they fire you for it for that same pr- provocation or whatever then 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 bad for them right i mean they're the ones that lose so now let's bring it back to relatability you know as a business coach as a life coach um as someone who comes in to help companies you sell yourself on your credentials which of course m- make you like a make you big maximize your bigness your importance your um impressiveness right your reputation but when you're in the room they need to see that you are just like them they need to relate to you they need to you need to be approachable you need you need to the the empathy has to be there if you're training or mentoring or helping someone um they don't want to they don't want to know how great you are and everything you've achieved and all your successes in fact what would be better for them is to understand all the times you didn't succeed all the times that you did fail what you learned from them the school of hard knocks not just you but people around you the anecdotes the life experiences of course if you're thinking this and I'll just you know mention it in case you are thinking it the balance again is you certainly don't want to be standing in front of them going hi i'm a 10 time failed or, uh, or i mean entrepreneur or whatever the case may be then they're like well what exactly am i going to learn from you you know if you haven't been successful then then do you have the credibility so again there's a balance but i'll tell you something you know one of um one of the worst sayings that i've ever heard i find this to be just so uh derogatory so disrespectful and so you know i i really appreciate um uh, teachers teachers in our lives not just because i am an adjunct and but teaching's always been at my core always i mean i am a teacher by trade um whether i'm workshopping facilitating sitting on a panel keynote speaking doing a virtual coffee I'm helping people mentoring as startups um that is I I feel it I I I love helping people it is it is the as close to my core and my essence as as anything in fact it might be that um and I hate the saying those who can do those who can't teach 
I hate that saying. I hate the uh, battle between book smarts and street smarts. Um, I remember the very first episode of The Apprentice um, was that, uh, with Donald Trump, was there were the two teams. There was book smarts and street smarts. It was an interesting experiment. Um, But I think you absolutely can be a teacher, an impactful teacher, an incredible teacher, without the best teacher in the world, without having any work experience. Um, and, and, and vice versa, right? I think you can have all the work experience in the world and be a lousy teacher or leader or manager or whatever. Um, and of course, flip side, right? You can be, you know, you can be a terrible teacher with no work experience and you can be a great, you know, teacher with work, you know, so like, you know, you can have all the work experience and be a fantastic mentor too. So, you know, two by two grid matrix, if you will, um, but teachers, the most underappreciated, underpaid, overworked, um, almost forgotten members of our society, and who are we without and what are we without um, education? We're absolutely nothing. So, but the best, um, I heard this amazing quote. In fact, it was in uh, Ted Lasso, episode four from last night. When, when this, let me see if I get it right. When the student is ready, the teacher appears. When the student is really ready, the teacher disappears. What a brilliant quote. When the student is ready, like to learn to be taught, the teacher will appear. And when the student is really, really ready, the teacher will disappear. And, and I suppose if you just dot, 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 that means that it means it can mean in many things, right? It means that they, that they, don't, that they can teach themselves. Um, that they can apply what they've learned. Uh, it can also mean that the teacher is still there, but they're not a teacher anymore. You know, as the saying goes, the best students are teachers and the best teachers are students. Um, and so there's, there's an evolution uh, of roles, if you will, um, that kind of works really well. Uh, that, you know, that, 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 that kind of changes the dynamic, um, if you will. Um, I'm going to type that in when the, student uh, is ready, the teacher appears. When the student is really ready, can you believe I'm getting all my life lessons from Ted Lasso? The teacher disappears. I'll see if I, if I can use Microsoft Designer to turn that into an inspirational quote uh, for, um, for Instagram. Um, and so... And so let's put it, you know, let's kind of like bring it back and, and talk about this idea of, of relatability because that's really what we're, we're, we're discussing now. Um, relatability is, is that, again, balance of someone that says, in, in fact, number one is I've been successful. Number two, I've also failed many times. Number three, um, I can help you learn from, from both my successes and my failures and also the f- number four, the successes and failures of others. And, and those are a combination of textbooks, right, theory, um, but actually theory then that is meshed with real-life examples. Um, so they can be, um, you know, I was, thinking, I was thinking, how lucky am I? How lucky are all of us right now, everyone that's even here today, that, that we have all these stories, that we are accumulators of stories, Stories that are ours, stories of other people's successes, um, and 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 we need to be collectors of stories, collectors of case studies, uh, collectors of anecdotes, um, and with all of that, we become so much more not just you know not just credible but relatable too, uh, because the stories are not always about us. And about what we about about other people as well, you know. Just being able to talk about that's that's why I think um, curiosity is one of the most powerful powerful uh, business traits or or leadership traits that we could ever hope for. To ask questions, to keep learning, to want to keep learning, um, to want to. Um, acquire different perspectives 
um, to not be so insulated and isolated that we are a one-trick pony, that we are just kind of focused on ourselves, on our mission, on our journey, um, on our um, path, right? Because when, when you think about it, right, when you think about it, that is, that is the story that becomes obsession, uh, where, you, where you become consumed by yourself or by your own mission. That is Don Quixote, that is Moby, Moby Dick, Captain Ahab. When, when you become so obsessed, uh, and so, you know, it's funny, we talk about like single-mindedness and singularity and focus, but sometimes too much of that can be a bad thing if we don't have the balance. Uh, we keep coming back to the same themes today, balance, um, you know, this this idea of relatability, empathy, um, it's it's just very very powerful um, when we kind of put everything together. When we, um, you know, and to me, to me, what is empathy at the end of the day? Right? Empathy. I mean, I know what empathy is, but empathy, a different interpretation of it, um, is it, well. First of all, is like really actively caring what others have to say like leaning in, listening, being an active listening listener, not even necessarily wanting uh, to help them. But I think it's also this idea of relating to them. It's, a diff- it's the reverse relatability, I guess, is maybe, maybe a kind of way to frame it. Because you feel their pain. You feel their anguish. Um, you put yourself in their shoes. Um, you know, one of the things we often say is like, like I know what you're going through. I know how you feel, and the, and like you know, you couldn't. Uh, the, there might be people that you know. I am essentially an orphan, right? Technically, uh, although someone has said after a certain age you can't be an orphan anymore. But I have no parents anymore. It's like the craziest, cra- craziest thought. Um, and there are so many people my age that have both of their parents, and they're both going strong. I'm an an orphan. If someone goes like, I know how you feel, or, or it must be tough, or you know, can I say? I suppose I could. I could turn around and say, you can't relate to what I'm going through. You 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 don't know how I feel. You couldn't possibly know what it's like. Um, and it's true, and it's also not true. Why can't someone relate? Why can't someone attempt to feel? attempt to understand what that must be like. Oh, am I special? Am I special? Am I the only person that doesn't have parents? There are a lot of people that don't have parents a lot younger than me. I'm not special. I'm not special at all. But do you have to lose two parents to know what it is to not have parents or not be or to be alone? I don't think so, actually. I mean, you know, I can tell you if if you you know, one of the things I was saying this weekend is there's so many things like I was saying, like, you know, ha- having Patrick Fabian on the show on Monday, you know, my mom watched, you know, uh, I'm, uh, like she would have loved to have seen Howard Hamlin on the show and, and she would have typed watching as she always did. And he probably would have said, um, you know, oh, hello, uh, Mrs. Jaffe or hello, you know, Natalie, Um you know, he actually, when when we were emailing each other, he actually said, I'm so sorry for your loss. And I said, my mother would have loved to have seen you. Well, that that's, that's, that's one of the feelings. It's like you can't make your parent proud of you anymore. Like you can't share anything with them, the good, the bad, the ugly. You know, you can't go to them for help, for sure. But you also, it's the pride. You can't share the good things with them anymore. Like, oh, you would have loved this or... Um, I want to tell you about what I've achieved or, 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 you know, some good news. Could somebody anticipate that or feel that? Or, or if, if I was to say that to you, could you relate to that? I, I, I think everyone here could. And could any of you come up and, and, and come up with that insight without having lost a parent? You probably could too. So, you know, relatability I don't think is a function of who you are, what you are, when you are, where you are, what you've done. Um, I think they inform and they make you unique and and they make you, um, they give you that perspective. But I don't think there's a monopoly on perspective. And I don't think there's a monopoly on empathy. And I don't think empathy is, uh, empathy is is the opposite of being guarded and, and, 
and and held captive. Empathy is just free, liberated. It should be. It's it's available to anyone and everyone who wants it, um, and who wants to feel it. And some people, like empaths, they feel too much. They have to almost kind of control um, being overpowered by it. Same thing like fear. Every emotion, quite frankly, um, except if I've learned anything from my show, except gratitude. Gratitude, the only emotion that is only positive. Uh, I don't think you can ever be, um, you know, consumed with gratitude. Um, you know, gratitude that comes from um, um, maybe there's there's a, you know, the only caveat there is when you're so gratitude that becomes like almost indebted or ingratiated or, you know, um, you know, so much so that, that you, that you, uh, you become subservient. That's not good gratitude, but I don't think that's gratitude anymore. That's a sense of feeling, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's uh, feeling like that indebtedness that, uh, you know, uh, and that's not, that's not gratitude anymore. You know, when you feel when you feel like now you are you owe someone something. Well that's that's just not pure gratitude at all. So, you know, jumping around a lot uh on Manifestation Monday. If anyone would like to uh come up and and share what uh what they're manifesting for the week or any comments or thoughts on anything I've spoken uh about today, the uh the um password uh, the secret word for the poet today is show up. Two words, show up. Um, sometimes just showing up is, is uh, you know, 80% of the battle. Um, just, just being present, um, being able to be there. It's a beautiful thing um, when you show up and, um, and, you, um, and you listen and you, and you learn and you make the effort. Uh, thing about showing up is is that it it is really just about the effort right and 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 it's such a beautiful thing just to say you made the effort you showed up you you know you you know it's it's why i really love i love uh when they say on the plane um you know thank you for choosing whatever american airlines we know you have a choice of airlines and we're glad that and we're grateful that you chose us um, I mean, the reality is when they say we know you have a choice of airlines, um, is like, well, yeah, I, I, I chose you because you were the cheapest. It's not like you know, it's not like I decided today that you know I I want to give American Airlines the business, or because I have my loyalty points and my status with them. Um, but yet, this that that statement is a powerful one. We know because you do have a choice. You may have chosen American that day or Delta that day or United that day because it was the cheapest. You may have gotten it through price line, but ultimately you still made the choice. You still chose it. You know, there are many times you may choose a slightly expensive, more expensive option um, for a variety of reasons. You know, I would rather fly uh, probably American at $150 than Spirit at $80. It's just, you know, so, so... We know you're, like, that's gratitude too, by the way. We know you have a choice. By the way, eight to nine every morning, you have a choice. Every single one of you have a choice. You choose to spend it here. That is immense as well. Immense, massive. That you choose to spend, and, and many of you are here every single day. Um, and it's become part of your routine and part of your ritual, part of your habit, your atomic habit um and it fuels me with energy and and gratitude um and and self-worth um to know that you show up um that people trust me and my voice um and more importantly the session because remember and i've said this many times that anyone is welcome to come and join it's this is not right i'm not the only person in this frame i'm just looking at some of your comments uh, bear said yes Curiosity is a great leadership trait. Asking questions is so important and getting real good at asking a better question. Yeah, I think that's, um, it's, it's almost, um, I guess there's a question that I could ask even to my guests, right? Which is, and there are questions that are like this, but they, they miss the point. It's like, 
what question do you wish I'd asked you? Or um, you can't really ask that because, um, but but that's the spirit of it is like, like what didn't I ask? What could I have asked? Um, maybe the best question or the best thing to say to a guest is, what 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 question did you like today what was i mean i need to get better at thinking about every guest and thinking about that golden question i need to prepare a golden question in fact if i really like lent into it i would actually produce like a little animation and a little graphic and maybe a little overlay and maybe even a little sizzle and go the golden question 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 you know there'd be like um I don't, I don't have the, I don't have the sound effects, uh, but it would be like kind of the harp or the bells. Um, it would not be an, an air horn. I'm just trying to find uh, the equivalent. Um, it would be, um, I don't have any, I don't have any good ones here. It's not a rim shot, um, but yeah, it would be like the golden question. This is the one question, the burning question. Like, what is? What is the what is the smartest, best, most insightful question I could have asked? Um, I don't know. You you kind of uh, you, you never know. But 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 being good at asking questions, Bez, is uh, is 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 key. Um, let's see what else. Uh, Shadows Pub says uh, it was almost a year before I stopped thinking I needed to call Dad to share something with him. Um, so yeah, I mean, listen, the, 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 the morning, uh, period, um, that I'm going through is 11 months. So it's, it's all for a reason. And then you've got to get on with your life. Um, and, and have the faith to know that they, that, that, that they are connected or aware or, you know, or, or being proud of you in different, in different ways. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's one of those habits, right? Where, um, you know, what I've realized with my, um, with my phone is that, um, my mom in the, uh, in the favorites tab is exactly where the kind of end call button is. So when I'm finished talking to people, like you end the call and sometimes you don't press the button, right? So you press it again. Uh, but if you did press it the first time, immediately I start dialing my mother and, and then I obviously just disconnect. Um, and, uh, so it's like a weird thing that's happened, but I'm just going to keep it like that. Um, because, you know, just, I see her name and then I'm like, yeah, well, obviously like disconnect. Um, but, uh, it's just the way things, things worked out, um, or the way things were meant to work out. Um, so looking at, at, at my week, as I said, I've got, uh, I've got, uh, um, David Drebin today. Uh, Simon Bull tomorrow, uh, Scott A. Martin, Groundswell on Wednesday, on Thursday, Lisa Copeland, um, and apparently I have my physical on Thursday, I can't believe that, feels like it was only yesterday that I had my last uh, physical, um, I have at least one or two conference calls just about Alpha Collective, um, about monetizing the show, and today I'm actually um, I'm actually going to be interviewed on um, I think it's I don't even know where the invitation came from. Sometimes I don't even know, but it's I guess Dan Granger something called Media Roundtable Interview. So a company called Oxford Road. Um, I've got to go and just do a bit of research, but apparently that's that's uh, I'm being I'm on a media um, roundtable. I think it was a request that came in uh, from LinkedIn. And I always, I always say yes. You know, I always say yes. I say say yes first, and then figure it out later. Um, so you know, that's that's my week ahead. Um, next week, I'm excited because I'm going to Austin for a consensus. And um, I mean, this is a big event, consensus. I honestly had not even heard of it um, before, and um, but it's a monstrous event actually um the speakers are insane um it's it it really is i mean if i can say um it's actually like um uh, it's produced by coindesk um and there's like lots of um different stages and uh, i'm just kind of looking at the at the speakers i share some of the 
the speakers with you, some of the uh, the, the bigger names. Um, Edward Snowden, I think, is going to be there. I'm kind of curious as to uh, what he's got to say. I think Scaramucci is there, uh, good old Scaramucci. Uh, Daniel Allegro, who's the CEO of Yuga. Uh, let's see, Chelsea Manning is there. Um, there's, there's, there's definitely um, a lot of um, uh, represent, representation from Congress. Um, for example, uh, Cynthia Loomis, who's the U.S. Senator from uh, Wyoming, uh, is there. Uh, William Shatner's there as well. Um, that should be interesting. Um, uh, let's see, uh, uh, Representative Patrick McHenry, who's the chairman of the House Financial Services Committee, U.S. House of Representatives. So there are a lot of those uh, kinds of people. Uh, Kevin Rose is going to be there. John Heder, the actor who's partner in Verified Labs. I'm just looking... Uh, Scaramucci. These are these are like the I guess the uh, the bigger names. Um, uh, Julie Forster, who's project director, digital assets, internal revenue service. I'm gonna stay the hell away from her. Just kidding. Um, Nelly Mensa is there. She's the VP Global Head of Web three and Innovation at LVMH. Um, it's just brilliant, brilliant speaker. So I'm super super excited uh, to go to Austin. Um, from the 25th to the 29th. So as always, um, I will do my best uh, to to maintain our breakfast, but otherwise I will draw on uh, hopefully, um, well, actually I don't want to just say Bez, just put on to Bez because, you know, Bez, where are you? You don't come on stage anymore. You, you leave me hanging. I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, if anyone would like to lead any sessions, uh, please let me know or, uh, you know, yeah, just let, let us know. Um, for sure, um, the Tuesday I'm going to try, uh, I might be driving to the airport. Um, in fact, I will be driving to the airport, but then there's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So be nice to have any of you kind of lead, uh, some of their sessions. Um, uh, Jensa said, I forgot the POEP code taxes. We can took my memory away. Um, yeah, I'm in denial, which is not a river in Egypt. Uh, the, the, uh, POEP uh, code is show up, show up for POAP, S-H-O-W space U-P, and that should be available uh, very, very soon. So when do I need an assist? Um, probably, you know, like theoretically Tuesday through Friday. Um, but why don't, you know, uh, for the people that are here, you know, Peggy, uh, Jensa, Slick, Shadows, uh, Christopher, Tim, um, if you want to lead a session, why don't you volunteer and lead a session? Just just you know, get it under your belt. Um, just practice. Um, you know, you can show up with nothing prepared. You can show up with something prepared. On the Thursday, maybe you want to just do a book read, a live book read. Um, uh, we've been talking about Mark Schaefer's book um, in in April, um, and if I can, you know, maybe I'll maybe I'll see if Mark wants to come in and actually lead uh, a session as well. We're, we're meant to do the. Um, the, if we don't do it um, this, uh, well, we'll actually we'll do that this Thursday. The secret community, the underground community chapter. Um, but yeah, let's just plan ahead. This is all about manifestation. What the week looks like this week. What the week looks like next week. Um, and and keep on building. Um, we started today. For those of you that were that you know that came a little late, just kind of um, looking at 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 you know where some of these crypto. Um, uh, indices were and and kind of recognizing um, that um, we probably aren't going to see, you know, do your own research, not financial advice, yada, yada. We're not going to see that 800. I mean, I remember like Bez, you know, like talking about Alpha Collective at one point, um, at one point it was $1,200 to buy, um, to buy a pass to Alpha Collective. Um, and now, um, you know, this, it's $2,100. I mean, can you believe that's where ETH has gotten to? And and it's kind of crazy that the Stripe fee of $2,500 is very close now to that ETH fee. So there's still an advantage to buy it through ETH, but not as much of an advantage anymore. And it actually may transpire that at some point it becomes cheaper to buy it on Stripe than it does to buy on ETH, which is weird. Um, and at this point, like it's not changing. Um, so I think ETH at 2100 crypto, I mean, crypto Bitcoin, um, like 
at 30K, having broken 30, like kind of like teetering around that. Uh, Solana, 24, 25. Um, you know, I mean, again, it's not about the price as much as it is an indication of, um, you know, of the realization of decentralized uh, finance and, and you know, and the advantages and the benefits of being able to to trade and, and operate and build on a blockchain um, using a new method and methodology and ecosystem and business model um, and not being subject to some of the, you know, let's face it, um, controls and even manipulation um, of a centralized um, um, power or force. Um, but I think one of the most important things, going back to consensus, is when you look at the people that are there, it's not a us versus them. It's not a you versus me. It's not an either or. It's an end. We cannot survive. We cannot thrive if we don't have the the commitment, the contribution, um, the partnership of Congress, of of our government. Um, you know, there's governance, there's self-governance, there's regulation, there's, you know, I mean, it's just, it's an inevitability. And the beauty of it is that it will force out ultimately the charlatans, the scammers, the fly-by-nights, number one. And number two, it might slow us down slightly in order to speed us up. We might take a step back in order to move a few steps forward. So uh, I'm very, very interested to hear all these conversations and of course they're going to be very educated conversations as well um, to to hear the perspectives and the points of view and the fears and the hopes and the dreams and and have these conversations um, and so that's that's my next week I'm gonna try and take vociferous notes and really be kind of plugged in uh, and also do my fair share of networking so hope you got a lot out of today it was felt like a bit of a smorgas board um you will see um a lot more action from me this week in terms of just really kind of getting behind this idea of the live of, of every show that i release you know using now and and relying on chat gpt to come up with 10 takeaways from each episode or a little um you know um key quotes um like just being able to keep on building um, more content and more context around every episode. Um, and I really do love the fact that, you know, at the moment w- when I look at my, uh, when I look at, at, at where I am with the show, I mean, I can tell you um, that um, I have, after this week, um, I will have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 10, uh, 11. I'll have 11 episodes in the can, um, not including Gordon uh, Gannister's um, episode, which will be all about influencer and influencer marketing from a B2B standpoint in particular this week. So when we look at 11, that's three months, right? That's three months. That's May, June, July. Probably what I start to do then is go for two, uh, two a week, um, keep, myself, keep myself fresh um, and, you know, I don't want to, like, for example, Gordon, I recorded in January. That's a little bit too much, I feel, of a, of a window. I should aim for like a, I feel like a four to six week um, kind of um, uh, turnaround time. Um, but yeah, so um, I hope you have a wonderful Monday. Tomorrow is Thought Leadership Tuesday. I have an idea for Thought Leadership Tuesday unless something better comes along which is this idea of what happens when you have nothing to say? What happens when you actually have no thought leadership? What do you do? How do you, how do you get inspired? How do you create something? Um, and so we'll talk about that on Thought Leadership Tuesday, which is like what do you have when you have a thought leadership block, right? The equivalent of writer's uh, block, uh, so on and so forth. So um, go ahead, uh, pick up your POAP. Have a wonderful day. Um, make stuff happen a.k.a. Uh, make happen. And uh, I will see some of you back tomorrow. Um, and uh, if you have the, the will or the inclination, share, uh, talk to a friend, 
someone that you trust. It doesn't have to be through social media. Do it privately. Do it through email. Do it through text. And say, come join me uh, one day this week in the Collective Cafe. Um, You will not regret it. And hopefully they won't regret it because they're trusting you and you're trusting me. So the impetus, the pressure is on me to deliver. And I promise you, uh, I will not let you down and I will not let them down. Um, I will see you all tomorrow. Bye, everyone. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.